Uh, today I welcome uh, Danny. It's good to have Danny with us. Amen. Good to see Danny. That's my daughter-in-law. That's our daughter-in-law. And uh, Rhett's somewhere, I'm sure, terrorizing somebody uh, in the back. And so, but I am glad to have Jonathan here with us. Uh, you know, I enjoy uh, John. You know, there are seasons in life that you have and God gives you, and we got to serve together for a season. And as all seasons uh, come to an end, God has another plan, and God does something fresh and new uh, for all of us. But I'm thrilled to have uh, my beloved son here with us today and uh, have him come and share. So, uh, John, would you come? And uh, if you... Um, Wait one second. Come on. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm going to say this as I would to any, anyone, if, if you uh, want to give a, a love gift for uh, him today, you can. And uh, when we have a guest, we make people know. We don't take offerings up here, but if you want to drop something in, uh, you may get out to the church with a designation of the, the man with the Chris, uh, Kringle beard. Yeah. Love you too. Yeah. Good morning. Thanks, Dad, for trusting me to be behind the pulpit and trusting that I'm not going to say anything crazy, because uh, that happens often. You know, they say the apple doesn't far, fall far from the tree, and there's a lot of truth in that, apparently, in our family. So, you know, super excited about being back with you guys. You know, it's, it's weird, right? You know? You see faces that you remember and, and you know, talk to some of the teens. Their voices are getting deeper. Mine has always stayed at a high pitch, so it's just like, it's interesting. You know, they're getting older, getting taller, and some of you are getting older as well, you know, losing a little more on top and getting grayer, you know. I'm joking. Not really, but anyway. You know, it's so good to see uh, a lot of you. You know, we, we, we were here, and we consider a lot of you our family. And, you know, Danny and I were so grateful to be here and to be in this season, you know, working alongside my dad. But, you know, the, the awesome thing is you have great leaders in Matt and, and Bree. They are amazing. Uh, you know, when they took over, you know, we always prayed that God would do something much more than what we could have done while we were here in their lives and through their lives. And so, you know, just thanks, you know, Matt and Bree for all they do with the youth group here. So, as my, my dad had alluded to, today is Pentecost Sunday, and my sermon has nothing to do with Pentecost Sunday, so I hope you forgive me. Uh, but uh, today we're going to be talking about warning signs and this kind of goes, everything goes hand in hand with Pentecost Sunday because as us as believers, our number one job is always to be spreading the gospel because if that's not what we're doing, then we're really not fulfilling the mission that Jesus has left us here for. And so, you know, everything ultimately throughout Scripture, that's why it's called the gospel, is it's supposed to be spread worldwide and not supposed to just be something that we hide within ourselves, but something that we go out and spread to all the world to know. And, you know, we think about it, like our world right now and where we're at and with the things that happen consistently, it almost seems like on a weekly basis there's always a, a, a new headline, right? And, you know, I think one of the things that we need to remember as the church is that we need to be the church even though the world's always going to be the world. And we need to stay in course with what God has called us to be in order to see change in this world. You know, we can get in the trap of trying to... Sorry, this thing's messing with me right now, but it's all right. I'll just blame Dan. But uh, the, the interesting thing is that us as believers, we need to be in line with truth. There's not multiple truths. There's only one truth, and his name is Jesus. And, and when we're always saying pe to people that it's okay, you can believe what you want to believe, obviously there's going to be confusion in that. You know, because if there's no direct route and there's all these other routes, then how are people really going to come to know Jesus 
And how are we going to prevent those people from spending eternity in separation from Jesus? And so today we're going to be talking about warning signs. And warning signs are always an important thing because I'm always oblivious to them, especially when they're on the road. When it's a stop sign or a stop light, Danny always, you know, she always says, do you see that person turning? Like, because we're almost like really close to hitting someone. And I'd be like, yeah, I was planning on stopping the whole time, even though that's not the truth. I inherited a lot of driving things from my dad. So if you've ever ridden with him, it's a scary time. Uh, you know, and then when you have someone with ADHD that's all over the place, it's not, you know, you're looking over here when you should be looking here. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of fun but scary at the same time. You know, uh, so this morning we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 12, verse 1 through t- uh, 10. And the warning signs we're talking about here today is hypoc- hypocrisy. And, you know, some, some of you are looking at each other and it's like, I should have skipped this Sunday and knew it. Uh, but I promise it's not going to be as painful as you think it's going to be. So, <laughs> maybe it will be. I don't know. If God convicts you, who am I? You know. So, uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 1 through 10 says, Meanwhile, the crowd grew until thousands were milling about and stepping on each other. And Jesus turned uh, first to his disciples and warned them, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. The time is coming when everyone that is covered... Up will be revealed, and all that is secret will be known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the rooftops for all to hear. Dear friends, don't be afraid of who wants to kill your body. They cannot do more than that after that. But I tell you to whom to fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you and throw you into hell. Very uplifting today. And yes, he's the one to fear. I'll tell you the truth. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man, will also acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. But anyone who denies me here on earth will be denied before God's angels. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And so as we think about the term hypocrite, you know, the the term is a Greek term. uh, The term comes from a Greek word deriving... That means actor. And for me, uh, I, I think Dan and them can tell you, like, and Dan loves movies too. Like, you know, anybody in here likes watching movies? I guess I'm the only one. Everybody's like, can we admit this in church, you know? Uh, you can admit it. And so, like, there's certain things about, like, you know, certain actors and stuff like that. There's, you know, for me, it's, it's you know, Danny and, you know, it's, it's a useless talent, but I'm going to tell you this. You know, we could sit down and we can watch a cartoon and I can know the voice actors without even looking into who the voice actors are. And Danny's like, why is that even important? You know, and uh, it's not, but it's something cool that I can do that I think is cool. You may not think is cool, but I don't care. It's cool. And so, you know, we'll sit there and, and we'll watch, you know, watch these movies and you can tell who the good actors are from the bad ones, right? And this happens a lot in movies, you know, and, and I think about one person in spe- uh, particular who is the worst actor who's ever walked the face of the planet. Nicolas Cage is probably the worst actor. Oh, he was in the Left Behind movie. You know, who cares? He's not, you know, I don't know. Anyway, so like, you know, you think about Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage just plays himself in every single role he takes on. And he always looks miserable while he's doing it. He shows no facial expressions whatsoever, and his tone of voice never fluctuates. Everything you're supposed to be good at as an actor, he's not good at as an actor. But then you have people like, you know, the one person that comes to mind, uh, because I watched a documentary on it, and it's probably a waste of time, but thought it was educational, was Keanu Reeves and how he prepares for a role. If you've seen this man, this man is pretty intense. He, he studies multiple uh, martial arts, and he also, he, uh, he actually goes through the process of knowing how to actually disarm suspects and stuff like that, and he actually goes to shooting ranges. Like, he's well-educated in, in a lot of things. So not only does he take upon himself to take these roles, he actually invests in the roles that he takes on. 
And so it's important for, for us as Christians not to be bad actors, but actually the role that God has given us to actually fulfill it. Not just acting like we're fulfilling it, but actually fulfill it. You know, as the term, as you most know, the term Christian uh, actually comes from uh, another Greek word, which means little Christ, which means that we are an example of who Christ is. We're supposed to amplify that. You know, uh, we have, you know, Rhett. You know, you really have to be careful what you say around little children because it will be repeated at the worst time ever. So, like, for us as Christians, it's important for us not only to, to say that we are something, but be a representative of something in the world that we live in. See, it's, it's, there's a lot of darkness. It's because there's so little light. And that's a hard truth for us to swallow is we can complain about the darkness, but there's so few people that actually want to be the resolve to the darkness and actually bring the light of Jesus Christ to a world that's broken. But, you know, that would actually ask me to have to step out and actually be bold. You know, that's what this world needs is someone bold who's going to step out and step up and actually say, you know what, there is a solution to all the problems and his name is Jesus. You know, uh, I don't know if it's been mentioned, we, we actually, we, we've stepped down from ministry for a time, which is a weird term because you don't step down from ministry. Just because it's up here behind a pulpit and I'm not behind it anymore doesn't mean that I don't fulfill it. Because we had that question a lot. How is your break from ministry? And I was like, I, I, I didn't take a break from ministry. You know, we do, I, I do wedding videography, which is, is a lot of fun. And sometimes not so much depending on who the bride is. Um, they're all nice. They're sweet. I haven't met one bad one yet. Knock on wood. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But, you know, it's interesting because a couple weeks back, you know, we had an opportunity where I was sitting with a couple who were photographers, and, you know, I was just talking to them a little bit, and I said, you know, if someone's been married for five years, you're like, so when are you going to start having kids? And, you know, you just saw this pause. And I forgot because me and Danny walked through the same thing where it's like, oh, I probably shouldn't have asked that. And so we're sitting there, and this girl gets teary-eyed. And we're sitting there eating dinner. And, you know, she's, she's talking about how for the past five years they've been trying and they haven't been successful. And in that moment, you know, I have no filter, so I say, can I pray for you? And, like, the weird thing was, she's like, oh. Like, the weird thing is you could tell these people weren't believers, but in that moment, you know, when God speaks to you in a moment where he reveals something to you, it's one thing to see a problem. It's another thing to react to a problem. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, can I pray for you? And she goes, that actually would be awesome. So I got to pray with this couple that day, and I, you know, I messaged them a day later, and I was like, please just keep me informed, and we'll continue to pray with you guys and for you guys. And, like, just to see the gratitude that no, someone just sat there and listened to their whole story, but also on top of that reacted it to their story, not just let it go. You know, as the church, that's our job, is not only to be people that see issues, but to be solutions to issues, and, like, for us, it's, like, it, it's, it's really eye-opening in this season that there are people that are hurting. There are people that need to know the love of Jesus. So, Second um, Timothy chapter 5, verse, uh, ver, uh, chapter 3, verse 5 through 7 says, you know, uh, people that are having a form of godliness while denying its power. The exciting thing is when you step out in obedience, you get to experience the power of God firsthand. And I think in that moment, it was really interesting because stepping out and actually being bold about it in that moment, and this isn't about me, it's about God who reveals certain things to his people. And when they react, the faithfulness of God in that moment, he won't just show you something just to show it to you. He shows it to you for a reason so you will be his hands and feet in that moment. And so 
you know, the Bible, you know, goes on and it says, you know, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 27, about whitewashed tombs, you know, filled with dead man's bones. Our job isn't to actually just look pretty, uh, but be dead on the inside. It's actually to be full of life inside and out. Not just a spectacle, because whitewashed tombs back in biblical times were actually made to be beautiful so you could see them for miles, and then people could be in awe of these tombs. And so, for us, it's not just to be a spectacle and not just proclaim with our, with our mouths that we are followers of Jesus Christ, but actually to have the living word living inside of us. So, what is hypocrisy? Meanwhile, you know, we're going to go over this. Meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about, stepping on each other. Jesus turned first to his disciples and warned them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. So, we're going to look at what this is. You know, sometimes we hear this term used a lot, and it's usually from people from the outside looking in. Uh, and it's, it's normally towards the church, but I want to look at this and look at what exactly hypocrisy is because the world has a different distorted view of hypocrisy than what actually the biblical term actually is. The biblical term is actually walking in opposition to the truth, stating that you believe the truth, but not walking in it. And, you know, the world sees that if you're walking in truth, then you're a hypocrite. But the world says, but the Bible talks about the importance of us as believers about walking in accordance of truth because then people will see truth. So the church as a whole has to walk accordance to truth. You can't be saying this is truth, this is truth, this is truth, this is truth, because then people have a distorted perception of what a Christian should be. And so when you don't line up with their perception, then they say, you're a hypocrite. You don't believe what you say. But if you know truth and you walk in it, you will know that it's false. And so anybody, you know, my wife can tell you one thing that I love doing, and this is like a secret that I keep from people until now. So you're welcome. I love baking. Anybody else love baking? It's like, it's something embarrassing to admit, but I love it. I don't love, I don't love the process. I take that back. I don't love the process, but I love the outcome. <laughs> there is nothing like downing five blazing hot chocolate chip cookies right when they come out of the oven. You don't let them sit, you just down them. Your mouth will eventually heal in the next couple days. But I love baking. There's something about it. Um... But we, one morning, you know, you, you try to be romantic in a lot of ways. And for me, it, it hasn't worked out. So, like, <laughs> it's just interesting. We try. We mess up. Uh, but, you know, I, you know, I decided to make pancakes for Danny one morning. And these were pancakes from scratch. Because we all know pancakes from scratch are a lot better than pancakes made from Bisquick. Uh, but sometimes it's better to just stick with Bisquick because they actually know what to do. And so um, we, I decided one morning I was going to make it from scratch, decided to get on Pinterest, look up a recipe, and make this. And so I got everything together, and I was mixing, like, the eggs, the flour, and, and, and the, the salt, sugar, and whatnot, because and, it called for a pinch of salt. I never knew that, that there's almost salt in everything. So, like, just... I'm thinking out loud. Anyway, so we, I put these pancakes together, and it's, you know, I mix it all together. I pour it on this, on the uh, stovetop, and these things start blowing up, like the blueberry girl from Willy Wonka, like, just start, like, you know, getting weight to them, and, like, I'm, like, wondering, I'm, like, what in the world is going on with these things? I was just, it must have been like a fluffy, you know, recipe or something. And I was like, really fluffy. And like, you know, I, it looked like a loaf of bread just like growing. And like, you know, I was just fluffy pancakes. So what I did was, you know, I put these things on a plate. I made six of them because, you know, you know, one for Danny, five for me. Um, romantic. Um, so, you know. Anytime you make pancakes or French toast or anything like that, we all know the truth. You only make these things because of the syrup. 
if it's not drenched in syrup, it's not good, right? No one just wants to eat bread. You know, you need some syrup, you know, and you need to layer it on there. And so I layer syrup on this thing. And I look down the next second, and the syrup's gone. <laughs> this pancake absorbed all the syrup. And it's like, it's like, what is this thing? So, like, so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, Danny comes down. She looks at it, and she goes, what are those? And I said, it's breakfast. Enjoy, you know. And I said, you know, I made them for you. And she goes, I'm not eating that. What? And, you know, the funny thing is, she goes, how'd you make these things? And I said, you know, recipe, you know, how else would you make it? And she goes, no, like, we don't have flour. How did you make these things? And I said, we don't have flour. We have flour. It's in the pantry. And she goes, no, that's bread flour. You need all-purpose flour. So I sat there, and I ate, like, six loaves of bread. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, I... What does this have to do with my sermon? Well, you're going to find out. You know, (laughs) so at this point, like, what does this mean for us? Well, make sure you're using all-purpose flour first and foremost. But check the ingredients that you're mixing into your life and see what the outcome is that it produces. Because the ingredients that you pour into your life might produce something that is contrary to what God has called you to be. And so, when we think about this this morning as the church, it's just like, you know, what we could do so many times is pour these things into our lives. And the Bible talks about this specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us and the meaning of saying, Do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over and against the other. So the importance here is, that the ingredients that we pour in our lives will either make us more like Jesus, or if we're using the wrong ingredients, it will make us more like ourselves. And our egos, our everything that we want to be, will be more evident rather than Jesus in our lives. So, so what ingredients are you mixing into your life? And what has the outcome been so far? Has, has, has your focus been more and more about you, or has it been more and more about the things of God? Because we all can get caught up into our own selves when God is calling us to something greater, and sometimes we miss out on that. I always told our teens, it's like the great value brand of life that this world sells us on, and we submit to that, but we've never experienced the real thing. How many of you know there's a difference between great value brand and the regular thing? I'm just telling you. Especially Oreos. Like, if you ever had Oreos, great value brand, that's disgusting. You have the double stuff, like, party pack, like, well, family pack, not party pack, because they'll short you. But when you experience that real Oreo, it's, it's a lot different than that great value brand. But some of us, we've been submitting to the great value brand of life, And thinking that this is the best that God has to offer when God says, I have so much more for you if you would just be obedient and willing to step out, even though you're, you know, it's a scary thing. I will produce something amazing in and through your life. So, like yeast, hypocrisy can start out really small, but it grows quickly and quietly. It grows, it infects the whole purpose, a whole person. Hypocrisy does to the ego what yeast does to bread and dough. It puffs it up. It is easy to allow our pride to take over, but in time, our character can deteriorate. So where does hypocrisy derive from? And this is like one of the biggest things that we see throughout Scripture is like with the Pharisees and Sadducees, Jesus always used this term for them in scribes. It was because they did things for show, but they didn't really do them for any other reason. Like their lives, like, you know, we, you know the, the, the message where Jesus actually sat back and actually like ate with one of the Pharisees. And, and you look at that whole passage of scripture and Jesus was talking about how you like wash the outside, but on the inside it's completely dirty. 
And like, our lives need to line up with what the outside is. What we want to reflect. You know, it's easy to come into church and, and, and do the things that we know we're supposed to do. But when we walk out into this world, it, it is, is fairly hard because we don't want to upset people and make them, and make them upset at us and, and get people, you know, and, and their feathers ruffled. But in all reality, Jesus was crucified for bringing truth. And, you know, when, Jesus, when people say, you know what, that's not what Jesus would do. Well, you know, people actually killed Jesus because of what he brought forth. So, and Jesus said, you remember, if they hated me, if they hate you, remember they hated me first. So, in all reality, it's not about having people love you. It's just being in love with Jesus and walking in the ways that he has called you to. So, dear friends, we're going to continue in verse 4. Dear friends... Don't be afraid of who wants to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you that after that. But I tell you whom to fear. God, Fear God who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, the one to fear. So a lot of times where our fear stems from, and Jesus uses the word fear five times, this insinuates that hypocrisy derives from the fear of man. So... The mentality for us, a lot of times, is we're afraid of what people think and what people may say and what people may do to us. And that is the driving force to why we submit to so many truths rather than the truth. Because we're like, well, I'm not dealing with the outcome of my eternal well-being yet. So I'm okay. I just want to deal with the here and now and not have to deal with the effects of actually walking in truth. But we all know, according to Scripture, if you walk in truth, there will be opposition against you. It's not always going to be easy, and it's not always going to be this life that, that we want to perceive as, as, as just a breeze. But God is calling us to walk into the difficult places because you never know if there's that one person that will need to hear it. You never know if there's that one photographer that is going to need to hear it. You just never know. And in our obedience, in our disobedience, just think about this. If we see an issue and we are disobedient to that, we've just cost that person an opportunity to get to know Jesus. And you say, well, that's harsh. I don't, I don't cost anybody to do anything. Well, the thing is, if you're calling yourself a Christian, then you're calling yourself a proclaimer of the gospel. So if you're not doing that, then obviously we're not doing the job that we were called to do. And so I was told, my, our teens in our youth group, I think the Bible says, you know, either, you know, to be hot or cold, not lukewarm. How many know that hot means heated water? which means that it is safe to drink. Cold is safe to drink. Lukewarm means it's been setting out. It's been stagnant. It's been sitting there. So it's more detrimental to someone's health. So when you're in and out, you're not standing for anything. At least stand for something. And so... Uh, many scribes and Pharisees were more concerned about their reputation than character. And the fear of man was the driving force uh, for them to not be offensive, but also to have this public standing in people's eyes, this, to be able to eat their cake at the same time. And to submit to ideologies that are of man and not of God because of the fear of tarnished reputations. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 2 through 3 says, The only letter of recommendation we need is ourselves. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the results of our ministry among you. This letter is written with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved on a tablet of stone but not on a tablet of stone, but on human hearts. So th the reality of this is when we live our lives out, people can tell through the way that we live. 
and the way that we walk every single day, people can look at your life and say, you know what, there's something different. There's something unique about that person. I always found it interesting that Jesus never had to announce his presence because people felt his presence. And, like, that should be the same way with us as Christians. We shouldn't have to announce that we're a Christian. People should sense that there's something different and there's something powerful living among us when we walk into a place based on the way that we react to situations like we've had here in the past. Like, because, think about it. When Jesus walked into a city, he walked into a town and a region, his focus wasn't on the healthy people or the healthy things that were going on. He was focused on the people that were hurting, the downcast. And so that's the same with us. As followers of Jesus Christ, our attention should go to the need. So, how do you remedy this? And I know that this was a little bit of a shorter message. But how do you remedy this? You know, I think the first remedy here, and this is the most important thing, it says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body, but be fearful of God. And, and, and I'm going to explain that in a second, what fear actually is of God. But the problem is we fear man that more than we fear God. But if we would fear God more than anything in this world, then everything else would be, you know, not as bad. Right? And, you know, growing up, I did a lot of stupid things. Anybody else? You know, you, you do a lot of things that you look back and you kind of regret. And you're like, I can't believe I even did that. You know, and, you know, you live with the consequences of doing those things and, you know, I, I remember one year, you know, I was in a great student in high school. Like, I, I think I used to say my favorite classes were either gym class or lunch. And I really excelled at lunch. I never missed, missed it. Like, that was one class I always made sure to go to. And, uh, if I, I, and you know, this is how much I loved lunch. This is kind of like a rabbit trail. This is how much I loved lunch. I had... I tried out for the wrestling team. I did two weeks of that, and then they told me I had to lose weight, and I said, well, I'm not giving up lunch, so I quit wrestling. <laughs> Those PP&Js were just too good. Like, you know, you just, it was sacrifice. That's all I can say, you know. And so, I, I you know, when I was in school, I, I, you know, in high school, I didn't really do well. I did better in college, and then, you know, I did better after that because it was more more focused. But when I was in high school, I really didn't like going to class. I loved hanging out with people. I didn't like going to class. And um, one semester, you know, every semester, I don't know what you call it, you know, where you get your report card. I didn't look forward to those moments. Some of you did because you're weird, but I didn't look forward to those moments because I already knew, you know. My teacher already met with me a couple weeks prior to let me know I was failing class. I just didn't need the final evidence of that actually happening. And so, you know, I, you know, they would always write lovely notes onto the side and for my parents to read. And, like, you know, I always feared getting my report card because I never knew, you know, you, it, it was never good. So, uh, you know, I get the report card the one time, and I'm looking through it, and I was like, all right, pretty good, pretty good. And then you get to the bottom, and there's two Fs. Uh, one was biology, and then the other one was geometry. Two of my least favorite classes ever. And I'm thinking, I can't go home with this. Something has to happen. So we lived in a church parsonage, and I knew that the church had a printer. And so what I did, and it scanned papers. So what I did, don't worry, they already know about this. Um, <laughs> what I did was I scanned that one, one report card, cut out, cut out little snippets of the, the higher numbers, rearranged them on the report card, and guess what? I should have made the honor roll, but I didn't get the honor roll for some odd reason, but I had straight A's and B's. It was probably the best semester I've ever had. And I took that home, and my parents, you know, it was so great. You know, it's like, man, I need to do this more often. They're proud of me. Um, and so what happened was a couple months later, do you remember this? It was, yeah. <laughs> my mom shaking her head and 
you know, up and down, but you could tell it's a disapproval. Um, but I remember, you know, you know, a couple months go by, and you're getting the summer, and you forget about things. But you know schools aren't going to let that go. You can't just go home and get two Fs and not have your parents call. Obviously, something happened. And so they sent a letter home saying that I either am going to have to take summer courses or, and then, or, you know, have to repeat those classes. And I'm thinking, I ain't repeating those classes. Um, so what happened is I was at my friend's Jason's house, long story short, and we're putting down pavers for, you know, for his fire pit, and we're, we're, we're doing all that. And then I get, the worst thing is when you don't get a call and you get a text and it says, don't come home. And you're like, well, I'm not going to refuse that logic. I'm not going home today. Uh, Jason, how much time and can I spend here without going home? And uh, that's the worst thing when you don't get a call. And it's just a text and then there's a period, period at the end. And you're like, I really don't want to go home. <laughs> you know, living under a bridge started looking pretty good at that point. And so I, I'm... I'm trying to stall until, like, the situation subsides. But in the back of my mind, I already know the situation isn't going to subside until I come home. And so you already know the outcome. I, you know, I head home, and I get home, and I think it was funny because they're like, how do you have to take summer courses when you got such good grades? They don't just give out summer courses to students that, like, almost make the honor roll. I said, well, maybe they made a special exception. And like, but I just remember that I was super fearful. I went home, I dealt with the consequences. And <laughs> it, was, it was probably the scariest moment of my life. Just because it wasn't a phone call, it was a text, don't come home. I will remember that for the rest of my life. And uh, what, so what does this have to do with anything? I don't know, good question. Fear is respect. Being fearful of someone is being afraid to mess up because you understand that you respect the people that you will hurt the most. And so, you know, I think, you know, growing up, you know, I was always raised with the idea that not only when you do something that is contrary to your morals and your beliefs, do you tarnish your name, but you tarnish everybody else's name that that carries that same name. Because you carry the same last name. You're part of that family. So when people see you, they, they, they identify everything that you do and everything that you, who you are with that entire family. And so for me, like respect is understanding who my Lord is and understanding that there is a fear of messing up because I do not, I do not want my Lord and my Savior to be upset. It's respect for my Lord and Savior. Because the Bible actually talks about the importance of loving God, but it also talks about the importance of fearing God as well. Like, we forget that. It's like, love your God, but it also says, fear God as well. It is important for each of us to have that level of respect, that it outweighs our fear for people. It outweighs our fear of thoughts of what people may think of us, what people may do of us, because we understand that there is a greater purpose at hand, and that what that greater purpose means is so much greater than what man can actually do to me. How come everybody else can stand on their truth, but we're afraid to stand upon truth? We have to understand that in this world, in this moment, it is very important, especially with the things that are going on in the world around us, for us as a church to step up and walk in truth and light without the thought of, oh, how is this going to harm my character? How is this going to harm who I am? Because the thing in the reality is, Jesus went to a cross for you and I, not only for us to say, that is a beautiful representation of what Christ has done for me, but it is a beautiful representation of what Christ has done for everybody. And that is too good of news not to share with the people that are all around us, the people that are hurting, the people that are dying, the families that have just lost their babies at a school who, who've seen destruction in their lives, and they don't understand why these things have happened. 
To have someone come along, like not just say, I'm going to pray for you, but to actually have the, our, our actions move forward. Prayer is important. Prayer, prayer is a powerful tool. But to actually have people that are willing to stand up for truth and say, you know what, I know that you're hurting. But in this moment, I know someone who could bring peace to your storm. To be able to have that and to have those people, imagine the difference if we're walking in that unified truth to understand that there are people here that love and care for you, that we're not going to turn a blind eye just because the world's living in darkness. It gives us more reason to turn an eye towards the darkness and say, you know what, I need to shine my light. problem with it is the world's filled with darkness because there's so little light. You know, we, um, you know, we had the opportunity here the uh, past couple weeks to visit a friend, uh, one of my closest friends. We actually, we, we went to second, uh, second grade and we've been friends ever since. Uh, but I'll get to that in a second. In Second Corinthians chapter three, verse two through three, it says the only letter of recommendation we need to write, we need is you yourselves. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts, and clearly you are a letter from Christ, showing the results of our ministry among you. So it's understanding that our lives are a representation of Christ. The fear of God is the remedy for hypocrisy. The fear of God is the fear that conquers all other fears. For the person who truly fears God need fear nothing else. Man can only kill the body, but God has eternity for each and every one of us. And so we had the opportunity to visit our friend Josh about two weeks ago. We actually left the day, um, the day that there was that shooting in Buffalo. They actually live in Buffalo, New York. And so we picked probably the worst time to go, but we, were, we, we had this plan, so we were like, we're going to go visit Josh. And the interesting thing is Josh is a police officer in Buffalo. And so Josh started this job a couple months ago, and, you know, and it, it was interesting. We, you know, it's great. How many of you know it's great when you spend time with friends that you haven't seen in forever? You sit down, you talk about things, you laugh about things, and it just feels like you, you pick up right where you left off. And, like, you know, I, I was having conversations with Josh. You know, every night he would come home, he had to work during the day. But in the evenings, we would just sit there. And I can't tell you, you know, I... It's been a while since, you know those belly laughs that you have where you can't breathe and it hurts so bad and you're like, I wish I could stop laughing, but I can't. We had a lot of those moments and it was a lot of fun. I haven't laughed like that in forever. And I remember one night though, we came home and Josh just looked drained. Just like, you know, when you could tell someone they don't have to say anything, you just know. He walked in, he's completely drained. And I said, Josh, you know, you know, are you all right? And he, he goes, that was all right. He goes, um, today was one of the roughest days of my life. He has a post down in Buffalo, and during that post, he, there was a woman and a man in the same vicinity that shouldn't have been in the same vicinity. This guy actually had domestic charges filed against him from the woman, and the woman had told Josh, this guy cannot be in the building, so he needs to be removed. And so Josh had reconfirmed everything with, you know, he had checked on everything, and it was correct. He asked this guy to leave. The guy left, and then all of a sudden this guy came running back and then tackled Josh to the ground. They wrestled on the ground for 45 minutes. Josh called for backup, and no one was available. Josh said, I've never been so scared in my life. He said, this guy who's about my same height. The guy, Josh is about six foot two, six foot three. This guy was his same height. And he said, and we struggled, and he was reaching for my gun the whole time. And he said, you know, I can't tell you the helpless feeling of being there and then, you know, trying to call for backup and no one's answering. And he said, and, and, and you know, 
he had these security cards that were there, but they were about 80 years old, and the one guy got bit and thrown off the one guy. And so he was just saying, there was just no, there was, I felt helpless. And, you know, the interesting thing about this is eventually Buffalo Police Department sent a backup unit to where Josh was after 45 minutes of wrestling with this guy and trying to keep this guy away from his gun. And he said, you know, as, as we're in the cruiser, because I, now I have to ride to the station with this guy, this guy looks over at me and says, I'm going to find you and your family, and I'm going to kill them. And he goes, all I wanted to do was do the right thing. He said, and all I wanted to do was serve because it was the right thing to do. And he said, and people hate me for it. He said, you know, you try to do the right thing, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're wrestling with a guy who's about my same height, same pounds. And he said, and now he wants to kill my family. He goes, he goes, this is not what I signed up for. You know, sometimes, and this is where I'm going to end this, is like, you know, as being a follower of Christ, it's never saying that life is going to be easy and life is going to be just. But you continue to serve because it's the right thing to do. You continue to walk in the goodness of God because you understand the power of the goodness of God. You understand that God, if he had the power to change my life, then he has the power to change anybody's life. Because some of you in here already know because of your story that God took you from a place where you were and brought you to a place where you need to be. And he set your feet on solid ground and you understand what that solid ground is. And now that's the motivating factor for you to do the same to other people. Josh went back to work the next, next day. And, you know, he had a second police officer there with him now at all times. He's so grateful for that. But I said, so are you going to continue to do it? He said, yeah, I'll continue to serve. And you understand that it is our job that, you know, there are going to be people who don't fully understand or fully grasp or, or fully accept why you do what you do, why you believe what you believe. But it's that one, it could be even just one interaction that changes the entire course of someone's life that is worth it. I think about, you know, Jesus on the cross. He had one man who embraced who he was, and then you had the other man who basically mocked and ridiculed Jesus as he hung on the cross. But he turned to the one man and he said, from today on, you will be with me in paradise. It was the understanding that Jesus didn't focus on the negative. He focused on the positive, what the outcome was going to be. And that's what we have to understand, that people's eternity is in jeopardy. There may be some that deny you, but the thing is, what is more important is that person's soul that you interact with on a daily basis, the people that you come in contact with, the people that God has opened up doors, and we see the doors, and we refuse to walk through those doors because we're afraid of judgment. Imagine if you just walk through those doors and you've changed, you've helped, you haven't changed, but you use the power that God has given you to help change someone's life in the course of their life for the rest of eternity. What a powerful thing. So at this time, you know, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. This isn't like one of the moments where I'm going to count to three and, you know, invite you to the altar call because it's not that type of message. This is just something where you're going to have to seek within yourself, ask God to remove the things that he needs to remove in order to replace it with him. And at this time, I forgot, I'm terrible at this. You, worship team, if you guys want to come up. <laughs> You know, and so in these next couple minutes, I just want you to ask yourself, like, you know, have I really been, do because we all know, we're not, we're not oblivious to it. Have I really done everything that I know I should be doing? And I am, am I walking in the way that God has called me to walk? Or have I turned a blind eye because of my fear of man? Ask God to search you. That's the thing. You know, the Bible says, search me, O Lord. 
basically find any way that is contrary to you. Asking God to remove the things that are in your life. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for the power of your death and your resurrection. We understand today is Pentecost Sunday, and I just pray that in this moment, that each and every person in this room would understand that the power that is within them, the Holy Spirit that has been poured out upon them, they have the power to do the things that you have called them to. Don't ever, God, I just pray that there would never be an inkling of, God, you know, I'm not good enough to fulfill the shoes that you have placed me in. But God, use me to the full abundance. Take me to places that are beyond me in order that your, you, you would be fulfilled. Your, your faithfulness would be just fulfilled. And I pray that God, through our obedience and through our boldness, God, that you would do an amazing work. I pray that, you know, for the church here at Bethel, I pray that, God, that as they walk in truth, God, that you would, you would just bless them for that. I pray that this place would be pouring out of the seams with people who just want to get to know the power and the presence of the almighty God that is living in each and every person in this, this room. I pray at this moment as we, we seek you that we understand that, God, that God, I just can't be dormant. The spirit that you have given me has not been made to lay dormant in my heart, but it's been poured out upon me to be overflowing onto other people that I come in contact with. So God, as we we come to this moment and, and as Tammy leads us into this, this course, I just pray that you would... Uh, just fill us with your anointing. Fill us with your presence. God, I just pray that you would cast out fear. Your spirit walks with us not to remove fear completely from our lives, but to give us the comfort that you are walking beside us through every situation. God, you didn't pull uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fire, but you stood with them in the midst of fire. I pray for each and every person in here who feels like their step is standing in a fire. I pray that you would remind them every day that you are standing close at hand, that you have not forsaken them. I just praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.